Good morning. Welcome to Celebration Church. Let's all stand together as our campuses join us. And let's recite together the Apostles' Creed. This is our statement of faith. This is who we are and what we believe at Celebration Church. We believe in God, the Father Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who for us and for our salvation was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead, and on the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the fellowship of believers, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. Good to have you with us. And special shout out to all of our campuses at uh, Stevens Point and Appleton. Uh, we uh, just got back from a week of special outreaches uh, with uh, the Jimmy Bratcher Band. And uh, we were in federal prisons throughout Kansas. <laughs> so hot there. I think they really build these things as close to the door of hell as they possibly can. This is unbelievable. Uh, and we're out there in 97 degree heat on concrete playing for these prisoners. But these guys just light up. I mean, it's a special deal for them. You have to remember, every day of their life is the same deal as they are there. A lot of them are just in absolutely hopeless situations. Many... Uh, especially some of the prisons we went to, will never get out. I mean, they're older in life, and then the sentence they get shows that they physically cannot outlive their sentences. So they're just, they'll all die there. And I mean, it's it's strange place. But just to go in and just share with them the love of Jesus and lift their spirits. Jesus said, someday, uh, at Judgment Day, I will say to some people, thank you for visiting me in prison and they'll say, when do we see you in prison? So when you did it for those guys, you did it for me. And you all took part of this as you helped to financially support this outreach. So it was fun. It was good to go. And I was always encouraged whenever they let me back out. And uh, uh, we had some great guys, uh, Tim from our uh, Appleton campus, Bruce and Ben from our Green Bay campus for volunteering, uh, carrying equipment and stuff. And it was, it was we had a good time. Uh, happy Father's Day to everybody. Ah, y'all. It is Father's Day today. For those of you who watch us all around the world on the World Wide Web, and there are thousands, amazingly. As I travel around, it's stunning how many people watch these services and our Bible studies and stuff. Anyway, for all you around the world today in the U.S., we call it Father's Day, a special day where we honor fathers. This is the one day of the year when dads get to lay back, relax, and do absolutely nothing. Just like every other day of the year. Praise the Lord. So I don't know what the big deal is, but we make it official today. We can do it officially today. The rest of it, I guess, is unofficial. But uh, anyway, so uh, we are excited uh, now that we've come back. Uh, we have a special guest with us, Jimmy Bratcher, is going to be sharing with us this morning. Then afterwards, of course, we already did concerts for you guys in Point and Appleton. We had a great, it's so good to get together with all, uh, everybody over there, and it's fun to meet all the new people. I keep coming to Celebration Church, and that, that was neat. So anyway, today is our turn here in Green Bay. So after the service today, we'll be 
uh, hanging out, brought some burgers and stuff like that, so hopefully you guys can stick around for that, and the band's going to play. Anyway, would you please welcome my good friend to the pulpit this morning, Jimmy Bratcher. Hey. Hey. What a treat it is for us to be here on Father's Day and to hang out with y'all. All y'all. There you go. Mark's been teaching you that. I taught him that. But we're happy to be there. As Mark mentioned, we've been in Kansas doing prisons. And um, we did four in two and a half days. And so we worked really hard. From Supermax to Minimum Security Prisons, um, it was really an honor for us to be there in front of the thousands of men that we saw and to share the gospel with them. Mark was amazed because I was so blunt and so forward with preaching the gospel, but Kansas is an unusual state in that they believe that the gospel actually works. You know, they do. And, uh, you know, the... The rate of return for an inmate who's released is about 76% in five years. So rehabilitation doesn't work, but transformation does. And so we don't know. We can't see all the impact that we had during the last few days, but we believe that it was great because we know that God's a God of the heart and the Holy Spirit is busy convincing all of those that heard the gospel to believe it. And it was such a treat to be able to be at Stevens Point and at Appleton, Friday night at Stevens Point and yesterday at Appleton, and to see those churches. The first time I was at Stevens Point, and just to get to hang out with you guys down there. And so here we are today, and it's Father's Day. I'd like to say a special thanks to the church for supporting us financially on some of the projects that we do. Just like this last prison outreach, last year you all helped us with a prison, a couple of prison outreaches. You also helped us to go to Sturgis to the Buffalo Chip, where we opened for Willie Nelson last summer. And so that was a treat. This year on August 7th, uh, the Buffalo Chip has contracted with us to come back. And so we will be opening the main stage on August 7th for the Doobie Brothers. And of course, Mark will be there with us playing the organ and hanging out. So I don't know what it is with Willie and Doobies that we get to be put right in the middle of it, but it does kind of work. You know what I'm saying? Everybody wants to know, well, did you meet Willie? Did you get to meet Willie? And we say, no, Willie wasn't feeling good. You know, he's 83 years old. He had his 85-year-old sister playing piano with him. And he hired the Hells Angels to come backstage and do security so we wouldn't bother him. I guess he thought we were a menace. And, uh, and so, but our drummer, Terry, he stayed back in the bus and said when the Hells Angels came to get Willie out of his bus, they opened the door and a big plume of smoke came out. <laughs> so anyway, it was great. And just thank you so much. Thank you for all of the teams that have came, that have helped us. I know that so many of you have been such a blessing to Sherry and I. It's been just an honor. But it's Father's Day. And so, you know, that's a big deal to me for us to be here with you on Father's Day. So I have a picture of my family. I'd like to introduce you to them. I don't have pictures of all the grandkids, but there's nine of them. So our, our baby girl, Amanda, the one with the purple hair, 
Amanda actually tomorrow will start working for our ministry full time. She worked for us for many years and and needed to go a different direction just because of her kids and her busyness. Our son Jason, Jason lives in Dallas and he's a chef and is single. So if you know any available 40-something women in Dallas, then send him over. And uh, then Jessica, and Jessica actually is here today and you'll get to meet her in a minute. We have nine grandchildren. One of them is here today, Jacob. Jacob, stand up. It's our grandson, Jacob. He just turned 17, just got his driver's license. He is street legal. So anyway, family's a big deal to God because God's, you know, the essence of who God is, is father. When you walk outside and you look at creation and all of it and you wonder, what does it mean? It means one thing, God's desire to be a father with a family. All of that's what this is all about. That's what you're all about is his great desire to connect to you as a father with the family. Well, we are in church, so we have to have a passage of scripture to make this sanctified. So I've chosen Matthew chapter one. I'm going to read to you the genealogy. And the crowd went mild, you know. (laughs) Matthew chapter one, verse one. It says the book of the generation of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. And then it continues to list all of the people that are part of the lineage of Jesus. And you know, one of the things that's so encouraging to me about that is there's a whole lot of jacked up people in that lineage. So that means there's hope for me and you, right? That, that it doesn't matter, you know, where we come from. What matters is that we connect to God by faith through Jesus Christ. And we can see all kinds of miracles happen in our lives and in our families because of that connection. So the next time you think you're too far gone, just remember some of those people in that lineage. So let me tell you a story and you'll have to father, you'll have to follow with us on the timeline. It's father's day, June 21st, 2009 in St. Louis, Missouri, a young lady attends her church and is so impressed by the speaker that during the service, she begins to text her big sister on the East Coast because she's so impressed with this man that's speaking. When her sister inquires and asks the man's name, her little sister tells her his name, and her big sister drops the phone in shock. When she finally picks up the phone, she asks her little sister, do you know who this man is to me? Her little sister said, no. She said, he's my dad. She'd never met her dad. She only knew a few things about her dad. She knew that he had long hair, that he played guitar, and that his name was Jimmy Bratcher. You see, I am her dad. In 1971, I was a very selfish, out-of-control 17-year-old. And I made some horrible choices. I've told you all about that, some of those choices before. One of the decisions that I made was that I rejected the truth that I was this girl's dad. And you know, there's a funny thing about the truth. It doesn't matter whether you believe it or not. It's still the truth. 
And she's here today, and for the second time in our lives, we get to spend Father's Day together. Her name's Jessica, and I'd like for you to meet her right now. Hey, y'all. Hey, baby. Thanks. You're welcome. So my sister was texting me, um, and I was kind of freaking out. I was 38 years old, um, and many, many years ago, I had decided that I wasn't going to deal with all those daddy things. So I had this beautiful box, and I put all those daddy things in my beautiful box, tied it up with a beautiful pink bow, and locked it away, way down deep inside in my heart. And when my sister told me that she was listening to this story, and listening to these people, and how great it was, and I decided that I was not getting that box out, and she wasn't going to be the one to make me do it. So we fast forward a year, and the people who have taken the role of father to me are dying. Uh, my grandfather is getting old. My father-in-law had decided that he was going to, or well, he didn't decide. We decided in our relationship that he could fill that role so I could call him for daddy advice. I could call him for all sorts of things. And he was dying. He was in hospice. And I was sitting over him in one of those loud moments we have with God. And I said, why? I don't have a daddy on this earth, and now the one man who was willing to step up is dying. You're taking him away from me. And who's going to be my daddy now? And in that prayer, a year later, I got a Facebook friends request from Jimmy Bratcher. On February 13, 2011, I was speaking at a church in Christiana, Pennsylvania. I was getting ready to speak for the seventh time that weekend, and right before I walked out of the green room, I heard a voice down inside my heart. And that voice said, I'm about to change your life. And I started to dream about all the things that I thought I would want my life to be like if that voice who I knew as my heavenly father would change my life. But you know, we never dream big enough because he'll always outdo our dreams if we believe him. And so I finished that service, Sherry and I, and we got in the car and started back to the airport at Philadelphia and I opened up my email and there was an email from Jessica's mother. It's the first time I'd heard from her since 1971. And the email said this, it's overdue that you should meet your daughter and your grandsons. Her name's Jessica. She's on Facebook and she doesn't know about you yet. But obviously Jessica did know about me because when she was eight years old, she asked her mom who her daddy was. And she told her that he had long hair he played guitar, and his name was Jimmy Bratcher. So I sent that Facebook request, and it went off into silence. 
So I get that Facebook friends request. Um, I would love to say we were in a good place. We weren't. Couldn't have come at a worse time. I had every reason to ignore it. I had every reason to put it away. And I'm pretty sure my husband would have been happy at least for that afternoon to do it because if you're a NASCAR fan and something important comes up in the middle of the Daytona 500, that might be a problem. <laughs> so I open up my email. I see this friend's request, and I kind of freak out. And I said, baby, you need to look at this. And he said, no, 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 the race is on. I said, no, baby, this is important. He said, woman, the race is on. And I told him, I said, no, you really got to take a look at this. It's pretty important. And he took a look, and he said, isn't that your dad? And I said, yep. He said, what you going to do? I said, nothing. I closed the computer, and I got in the truck, and I went to the store, I think. Not sure where I went, not sure how I got there, not sure what I bought. But I was really sure that after a year of God telling me that he had something for me, after a year of God trying to convince me that I could trust him, that he was putting this before me and saying, we're going to deal with all those daddy things now, and you're going to have to trust me. So I had to pull out that little box and untie that little bow and open up all those things. So for the next three weeks, Jessica was silent because she was in shock. I was going through what I can only describe as some of the deepest grief that I've ever felt in my life because I could never imagine that I could do something to one of my children, like I had done to her, but I had. And I'd lay on my bed in the morning when I'd wake up, and I would just groan. I just had a prayer that was just a groan. And all I could do was get out the words and just say, Oh, God, Jessica. And so in that three-week period of time, the band and I had taken off for Daytona for Bike Week, and we were doing concerts at Daytona, on March 7th, I got an email from Jessica. And the email said something like this. It said, I've dealt with my emotions concerning you a long time ago. And I knew that you wouldn't be there to watch me dance, to see me graduate, or to give me away at my wedding. And now that you're here, the little girl in me wants to run to you with my arms open. But the woman in me wants to know where you've been and why now. It's not unwanted or unwelcomed, and thanks for showing up. And when she said thanks for showing up, I, that was a code to me from the Lord because anytime someone asks me or Sherry to describe what we do in ministry, we always say, well, we have the ministry of showing up. Christ in us, where we go, he goes. Where he goes, stuff happens. So we have the ministry of showing up. So I took the next five hours to write an email to Jessica, I knew it was probably the most important email that I would ever write in my life. And as I was closing the email, I referenced that little girl that she talked about in her email that was ready to run into my arms. And I said, Jessica, I hope 
that the little girl wins. I hope that the little girl wins. And so we began communicating. It was a full-time job, wasn't it? All day, every day. Text, email, back and forth constantly. I'm not sure I actually did work at my job. That... <laughs> but no phone calls. But no phone calls. So we hadn't heard each other talk. I had never heard her voice. And so I told her, I said, you know, we're on the East Coast and we'll be anywhere you want to be because Jessica and Leroy live in D.C. And I said, we'll be anywhere you want to be if you want to meet me and Sherry. And, and so we set March 14th as the date. And we, she picked out a restaurant in Charlottesville, Virginia, and we pulled into the parking lot of the restaurant, and there was her and Leroy. Now, Leroy, he's here today. I didn't introduce him, but he's here today, and it's uh, First Sergeant Retired Marine Corps Leroy Strong Drill Instructor of the Year. I assumed he was packing. And so we got out, we pulled up, Sherry and I, we were driving the White Pearl. He wasn't kidding when he said they were hippies. And uh, we got out, and I was determined I wasn't going to speak until I heard her first words. And I always tell people, you know, it's like when I'm greeting somebody for the first time, I don't use words like hi or hello because I'm too cool for that, you know. So I do something like, hey. You know, and so we get out of the get out of the van. We walk up to him, and I'm standing in front of her. I'm waiting to hear her very first words to me. Hey, I'm a hugger. we hugged and we wept and we went into the restaurant and sat down and I asked I said Jessica I'm not asking you for anything but sometime will you forgive me so there was there was only two things I remember about going inside that restaurant one that it was really loud I don't know what we ate. I don't know what else we talked about. But he asked me to forgive him. And God did something miraculous. Because I was able, with all truth and honesty, to look at him and say, we can't change the past, but you're here now, so we're cool. That's not the microphone. <laughs> Sorry, I'm a little emotional. So we started our relationship. Easter Sunday in 2011 was our first church service together. We went out to D.C. to be with Jessica and Leroy. We got up on Sunday morning and she brought me a gift, which was a coffee mug with daddy names all over it. It was full of her favorite candy bar. Zero candy bars. Y'all have zero candy bars up here? Which is my favorite candy bar. And we're sitting there talking, and 
Jessica comes up and grabs me and really describes what our relationship is like. It's like he was always here. God reached down into my heart, into the tangled mess of hurt and abandonment and pain and emptiness and so many things for so many years and they were gone and our relationship really is like he was always here when this first started to take place i told a few of my close friends and they all wanted to know they said well how's sherry in all of this because we know people that have a similar story to this who don't reach out and can't reconcile because of the other people aren't secure in it. And Sherry, she came to me when this first started to happen and she said, you know, Jimmy, we have a great life and we have a great marriage and we have a great family, but there's always been something missing. And Jessica and Leroy and the boys are it. The boys, Matt's just getting ready to turn 30. That's hard to believe, isn't it, Leroy? I can start calling you old-timer now. <laughs> That's what he calls me. And, and Seth is how old? 24? 26. 26. And Seth is today in Afghanistan serving as Marine. And we would... <laughs> we would ask... Your prayers for him. Aaron, who's 21, is in San Diego serving as a Marine, and he'll be going to replace Seth in Afghanistan in a few months. Our daughter, Amanda, and Jacob. I already introduced Jacob. Jacob Street Legal. Look out, D.C. Our daughter, Amanda... She said the very same thing that Sherry had said without knowledge of what Sherry had said. She said, you know, when she first heard about it, she said, great, I have a sister. Our son, Jason, he had a different approach. He said, well, you know, I've heard all those crazy stories about you all from the 70s, and I'm surprised this hadn't happened sooner. <laughs> so we continue to be a family. And it's just our privilege to be here to share this story with you. You know, one of the things that my religious mind would think was that I qualified for God's involvement in my life the day that I accepted him forward. That was when I was qualified for the blessings of God. But we have to remember something about God is that, that he's not bound by time. And so even though I didn't know it, he reached back into my past, back to a time where I didn't know him or serve him, and said, I'm going to redeem this, because that's his nature. He spoke to me and said, Jimmy, I've been faithful to your seed even when you weren't. That's the kind of father that he is. He reached back to me in the womb and said, you are not abandoned. You were not a mistake. You were not an accident. 
So we tell this story specifically for a reason. Since this happened in 2011, we've talked to hundreds and hundreds of people who come to us and say, you know, I'm you, or I'm Jessica, or I'm Sherry, or I'm Jessica's mom. And this is my story. We had some from the first service that came out and shared their story with us. And we share this story for a reason, and that reason is, is that I know that God's desire for your relationships as well as ours is that they be whole and healthy. And so we share this story with you, and we just ask one thing from you. you know, the Bible says that we're to be doers of the word. And so that one thing that we ask from you from this message today is that if that's you, if that's your story, there's a separation in your relationship or you need to forgive or you need to receive forgiveness, we just ask you to do something. Now what, we can't tell you what that is. That's between you and the Father. But we ask you to do something. For some of you, what you need to do is nothing. For some of you, what you might need to do is wait. But for others of you, you might need to reach out and you might need to say, I'm sorry, or I received that forgiveness that you've been offering. We shared this story a few years ago in West Virginia, and I was so overtaken by some people that came to us. The first man that walked up was a, a West Virginia farmer in bib overalls. And he was literally shaking as he said, you know, I haven't talked to my daughters in 25 years, and it's my fault. And I'm going to do something. I'm going to call them. The next young man that came to the table said, during the service, I text my mother, today's my 21st birthday, and I've never met my dad. And I told my mom what I want for my birthday present. I want to meet my father. We know not every story turns out like our story, but we know the God who writes the story and has the power to write it and rewrite it and to make it worthwhile. Do you have anything you want to say? We share this story not to make you cry. We wrecked some makeup in the first service. Yeah, we did. That's a Father's Day gift right there. Come on. <laughs> we share this story to give you hope. Hope in a father who can do something different when you let him. That you invite him into your heart and allow him to address those things that you've locked up in those boxes because we all got them. A hope that life can be different. Before I pray, I forgot to, I neglected to mention a few things that we brought with us. So let me just mention them right now. We do have a DVD of Jessica and I telling this story called The Little Girl Wins. And I would just encourage you, uh, you know, some people came out at first service and bought this to send to their family because there was a separation in their family. And we just completed a new CD, which is a missions project, a new music CD. This is called This Is Blues Country, classic country songs in blues style. We'll be playing some of those outside here in just a few minutes. So, but let me pray with you all that, you know, we just be all be willing in these issues. 
Let's do this. You know, of Daniel, the Bible says that um, in Daniel 5.12 that he could dissolve doubts. And if you look that up, it literally means he could untie knots. And for some of us, we need the Lord to just reach into our heart and untie the knots that we've made. And he's more than willing and able to do those things. You know, when we were going through this, the only scripture I could think of was the scripture that says... God is able to do above and beyond all that we could ask or think. And we have to trust him to be that God. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for caring for us. Thank you for helping us to walk out the complexities of life and relationships. Lord, we just simply put our trust in you. Lord, I pray that you inspire everyone here who needs to take a step, who needs to do something to make that clear in their heart and in their hearing and let them take those steps in faith and not fear. And I bless you for it, Father. Thank you so much. In Jesus' name, amen.